0: what's up everybody welcome to move the sticks dj bucky together uh buck it has been a few days since the super bowl we're going to have a jam-packed episode today where we're going to look at the top of the draft we're going to start kind of working our way through some of these positions so we're actually going to start with running backs today Mm -hmm. and dig into some of these draft uh running back Mm -hmm. prospects that we're going to be talking about here for the next few months um uh, we also have some news that's just come down on some some coaching moves that we're going to dig into as well. But I, I would be remiss if I didn't start this off by saying, now that you've had time, you know, we recorded the podcast right after the Super Bowl. Now that yeah. you've had time to let this whole thing sink in, um, takeaways for the future. Anything that you've taken away now after having watched that game and maybe a big thought that you might have?
3: Uh, big thought. Uh, we always knew that there's been kind of like a sea change at the quarterback position. Uh, is now officially athletic quarterback, uh, an athletic quarterback's world, meaning that I'm not necessarily saying that I need a quarterback who is a dynamic athlete that can run and do things. But if you don't have a guy who can create some extra plays, buy some extra time with his legs, it's really hard to perform in this league. When you think about what Pat Mahomes was able to do, talking about on a gimpy ankle, he gave you 44 rushing yards. And that 26-yard scramble at the end of the game was critical. And we've seen him win games time and time again when people play man coverage to man. He just scoots through a hole to pick up a first down in a critical moment. And look, it drives you crazy. And then with Jalen Hurts, you see the extreme of the athleticism in terms of a guy that is a mobile playmaker, a guy that can run the ball, he gets you 70 yards on the ground, is a not, I mean, just a nightmare to defend down in the red zone, particularly on two-point plays, short-yarded plays because he is uh, another running back, but he also has become a very competent, I mean, look, a very solid passer from the pocket. And so as you're looking at the quarterback position, as we're kind of looking ahead to the draft, man, your quarterback better be able to give you that extra stuff to make the play call the right.
0: So I'm so glad that you went went here again. We did not discuss this ahead of time. and. The, the takeaway I had was if you look at some of the, the real success stories we've had at the quarterback position, I think we need to lump the quarterbacks into two different categories, right? There's the guys, the no-doubters, proven college commodities that we know are ready to play. And and really, if you look over the last few years, mm-hmm. there's not many of those, but I would say Burrow uh, would be all the way up there. Trevor Lawrence, yeah. who we mm-hmm. we just knew what the, these guys were going to – I don't want to say can't miss. Right. But they were, were going to pop. They're, yeah, you knew they were going they're, they're ready to go. They're ready to go. And I would even say to a degree, I would say Herbert as somebody who's played a played ton a of football. And we knew the floor was very high for Justin. We might have you know, said, mm-hmm. okay, some things he needs to work on, but we knew the floor was very high. So that's, let's put that group over to the side. Then if you're looking at bringing in a guy who's flawed or who needs to improve, and I'm looking at look, – listen to these names here. Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen. Lamar Jackson, and let's even put Daniel Jones in there just for, just for the mm-hmm. sake of uh, the discussion. What these guys had, Buck, was the legs to buy them time for their arm. Yes. So they could pop enough with their legs early on. And so you're like, okay, man, r- passing-wise, mm, we got work to do. You know, They're not ready right now. But in the meantime, their legs, we can win games and we can be in games. We can compete with their legs. And their legs are buying time for their arm. And then I think about guys that have kind of, you know, kind of fallen off early in their careers. Like, yeah, obviously mm-hmm. uh, you look at what's going on with the jets uh, with Zach Wilson, you mm-hmm. know, he, he, you know, he's a good athlete, but he can't, he can't do what those guys do. And he couldn't physically hold up if he even tried to, he's not big enough. Um, you look at Sam Donald, another one, obviously from the jets, you look at Baker who's kind of bounced around a couple mm-hmm. different places. Um, you know, I, I think some of these guys, it just, man, it, it Let's if you could be patient with them, you could say, Okay, man, let's just be patient. You're not there yet, but eventually we have these guys that have done it. But you're like, Yeah, but I can't be losing all these games yes. while I'm waiting, while waiting for you to
3: develop. Does that make yeah. sense? It does make sense. So uh DJ is something like, uh, what what is your superpower that can can buy us a little time for yeah. you to develop into that player? Um, Josh Allen to me is the great thing. I think Lamar. Jackson, we knew how special Lamar Jackson was with his legs. I mean, we saw it in Louisville. He rushed for over what 13 or 1500 yards back to back years. So you knew he could run. You knew at the end of the day, you could put the ball in his hand and let him go. Josh Allen was more than surprised because at Wyoming, we didn't see the Josh Allen that we're seeing in Buffalo and Wyoming, meaning the guy that was taking the quarterback sweeps, the quarterback power, putting the ball in the paint as a runner. We didn't see that all the time. And so when you think about Josh Allen's size, you're thinking about his athleticism. Uh, the fearlessness, and even some of the recklessness that he plays with, well, the Buffalo Bills were able to take that, harness it, and even though he was a sub-60% passer, he was able to make enough plays that you're like, okay, we have some, and then in his third season, it pops. So, yes, you're not only looking at those traits, but I think the big thing when we take away the quarterback play in the Super Bowl, the character.
0: Oh, 100%. The football
3: character of each of these guys because, let's be honest, Pat Mahomes, we talked about it. We didn't really go all in on him until he came in studio. I know. And we were able to sit with him and talk to him. And we both – I remember when he left and we sat back like, man, wish we had talked to one. him earlier. Yeah, I miss that. 100%. <laughs> we're, we're putting it there. And then with Jalen Hurts, all of the stories that you hear, uh, the intangible qualities, staying around at Alabama when he loses his position, Talk to – speaks volumes about like team first nature competitiveness goes to Oklahoma has an opportunity to run a show and then every year DJ, you can look and track every year he got better but the reason he got better because one a, a crazy work ethic and then just the mix of leadership ability and all those other qualities that you want in your QB1 he has and mm-hmm. so it's yeah we got to have those things but man when we sit down we got to dig deep and make sure when we kind of pop the hood, they have that that stuff on the inside
0: that you need to be an A1 leader. Yeah, we, we were talking uh, when we were watching the game the other day about this book that I'm reading um, about the captain class. It's a little bit of a a, a, few, it's a few years old, the book, but it talks about how these great teams of all time have always had great captains. and And a lot of times they weren't the best player on the team. But they were the glue that held everybody together, and they got the most out of everybody. And the, one of the chapters it talks about guys that were kind of water carriers. In other words, like mm-hmm. when they were on the bench, like they were carrying water uh, for their teammates and giving mm-hmm. them water. It just like it was a very much a team over me type of a, a, of a mindset. And I think that you look at Mahomes. I don't know if you saw the video after the game, but they were in the locker room. He went to every single player yeah. in the locker room. Yeah, Like that might, that's not an insignificant thing. That's not a small thing. That's a, that's a connection he has with every guy. And that's kind of that servant leadership that, that you've talked about for a long time. And, and a lot of the elite 11 stuff that you've done. And, and Jalen hurts is the same way. I mean, we, we talked about it in the run up to the super bowl. It doesn't transfer right after he gets benched. That's Mm-mm. a tough pill to swallow. You talk about team over me to be able to come back that next year after that. Um, that's a, that's a, you know, that was one of the reasons why, I think in in the process as it went along, we're like, okay, it's not all there. We're going to bet on him, but I think it's the combination of those two things. I think you have enough uh, athletic ability to make some mm-hmm. plays early on, where you can buy some time, and then I also think you have the character where you're like, this guy is not going to fail. No, I, it, that is that is the part, and I, I think Jalen Hurst. The more we man, the more you find out
3: about him, the more you see, the more you hear him after the game, the perspective that he was able to give when he took the question from the young reporter. And he talked about learning those things. And, you know, like I'm partial, like he's the son of a coach. And so, you know, he's been around it and you know, to stick to itiveness, to stay in there and fight and endure the team is always more important than your individual stuff. He has that stuff. And I think as we're looking in particularly at that position, who are the guys that we do see the selflessness and going back to Pat Mahomes, because Andy Reid talked about this in the post game interview, he talked about, In the offseason, how Pat had all those new wide receivers that came in, had them all meet him down in Dallas, Texas, and they worked out. And they said by the time they got to phase two, Pat Mahomes already kind of had a lay of the land in terms of who's who, what's what. They've talked about the initial install of the offense. He was building the chemistry. Well, let's take that. And people are going to say this is a shot at Aaron Rodgers. It's not a shot, but what I want to do is just kind of show the difference. Aaron Rodgers is not around the team when all the young guys come in. Yeah. But then in the year, it takes them a while to get going. But then he complains about them not being up to snuff. Pat Mahomes took a different approach. And even though it didn't start out, quote, unquote, I would say fast for those guys in terms of production, you now see where it ended. And it's that little sacrifice, that little, um, I guess that hint of selflessness. I'm going to give up some of my offseason to be around my guys so I can help them be at the level that we all know that we need to be at. That, to me, is that leadership stuff that you're looking for from your QB one.
0: And I, and I want to point this out because I'm sure some people listen to this and they're going to try and say, yeah, but you say, okay, well, Zach Wilson went through with all his guys all over the place. I'm not saying, and you're not saying that that guarantees success. But what we are saying, it's darn near impossible to be successful if that's not part of it. You know what I mean? Right. That just said
3: you have to do that just to give yourself just to give yourself a chance. chance. That's it. It's it's one of those things that you'll say, "Hey, this is voluntary." With an asterisk by it's voluntary. Mandatory. You have to do those things to have a chance. There are some things that you cannot get in the building. Just like when we talk about your your normal preparation for the week, you can't watch all the tape together with the team. You're going to have to take some of that home during the week to get yourself ready, and it's not mandated. But the championship teams, the guys who want to play at that, that high level, the guys who aspire to be, look, all-stars, all-pros, uh, the greats, they do that because they know they have to do that to give themselves a chance to be at their best when their best is required.
0: So last thing on this, and we'll move into some of these uh, announcements, some of these coaching hires. This is why, and, you know, it sounds weird saying it, But the most valuable player for the Denver Broncos for the 2023 season is going to be Drew Brees. And the reason I say that is because Drew Brees and Russell Wilson both live by me or Mm -hmm. not, you know, 15 minutes from me uh, in San Diego. They live very close to one another. So all the time that you're not going to be able to get inside the, you know, with your teammates in the building because of the offseason restrictions. Mm -hmm. Drew Brees could could meet with Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson can, can bring their wideouts uh, mm-hmm. down there to throw. I'm sure that I bet you they end up in Southern California throwing. Mm-hmm. And not only can you know he could be Russell be learning this new offense with the receivers, you can have Drew Brees, the master of this offense, helping Russell footwork, timing. Here's the read, help, help showing receivers. No, 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 no. This is what you're doing here. This is if we get this mm-hmm. call versus this coverage. Like, think of the number of reps that you'll be able to get. With the greatest architect that's ever played inside this offense, like that is huge, huge uh, resource and, 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 for them. And
3: and and so let's let's talk about it because everyone typically has a private quarterback coach. Well, now what you're saying is Russell Wilson, you get a private quarterback coach who uh, intimately knows this offense, having played in the offense under the coach that is now your coach. And if you don't think that Sean Payton can share notes with Drew Brees on here' here's some of the things that we want to get accomplished uh, by yeah. the time that this group gets back. Oh, you absolutely can run it and run it at a high level. And because Russell Wilson has a level of reverence to Drew Brees, he yeah. might be able to take some of that hard truth serum that Drew may dispense by, via Sean Payton. Hey, man, when you talk to Russell, make sure he understands these are the things that we need to clean up and do. The, like, Like, the, like so... Man, you're right. You talk about that. But, yeah, the great ones, the great ones certainly spend the time. And I think when we talk about from a character standpoint, these guys that played quarterback in Super Bowl 57, they showed us the kind of football character that you have to have to have a chance to be a great one.
0: No doubt. Um, A couple hires here that were announced – Shane Steichen has officially been announced as the head coach of the Colts. Uh, I was around Shane when he was with the Chargers uh, there with Phillip Rivers. Then he goes to the Colts and then ends up with the Eagles. And obviously, if you watch the Eagles in in their run Mm -hmm. this year, you know he's a a bright guy. He's very well-liked. He does a great job with quarterbacks. I I would just – and we're going to get into the top ten here in just one moment. Mm -hmm. But I I would just be curious – your thoughts on a guy who's been around, you know, think about the different guys he's been around here. Mm-hmm. He's been around and just in the last few years. Phillip Rivers, he's been around Herbert for his, his rookie year. Um, and then he's been around Jalen Hurts. The thing that I was thinking, okay, what does this mean draft-wise? Obviously, you don't get any more polar opposite than Phillip Rivers and Jalen Hurts. But what I would say is all three of those guys are, are physical, strong guys. Uh, uh, yeah, I
3: think, you know, and Tim, like we, we like to follow the breadcrumbs when it comes to some of these things. So when you look at the physical guys that are in this draft class, let's, let's move Bryce Young to the side. So now yeah. what you're talking about where they potentially could be picking at four, you're talking about CJ Stroud, you're talking about Will Leps. I think those are the two. I mean, you can talk about some of the other guys, but I think up there, that's, yeah. that's, that's what we're talking about. So both of those guys physically size wise, they can endure the the pounding that comes with that. Uh, when you think about the athleticism, both have shown movement skills. I would say it's funny because when you go and you look at Will Levis' stats, they don't like pop like he's the runner that well, – he was hurt. hurt about he was when, hurt this year. He was hurt, yeah. right. They don't pop like that. But then when you see his size, you see how he played two seasons ago where he yeah. has those – Double-digit
0: touchdowns. Double-digit
3: touchdowns. He shows the flash. He's, he has a tendency to like to jump like Josh Allen <laughs> uh, when, when, he, when he's out there. But a physical thing. And then with C.J. Strout showing off what he displayed – uh, in the semifinal, yeah, you see the athleticism. Now the big thing will be, if you're psyching, as you're looking at the position, he now has seen the extreme when it comes to Phillip Rivers in terms of the aptitude, the IQ that is required to play the position. He's also, I would say, broken in two young quarterbacks, Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurst, guys who were different, came in a different place. So now what you like to think is he has developed a curriculum to get young guys ready to play. And mm-hmm. so then it comes down to which one do I trust more? I'm not saying for me, I don't have the grades close like Will and CJ, but he may look at it differently. Now, yeah. is who am I more comfortable with character wise, aptitude, ready to play, handling that situation that you have to handle when you jump into uh, the quarterback room in Indianapolis? Because the expectations are high based on who has starred in Indianapolis, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck. That's what the fan base expects. That's what mm-hmm they want because that's when they've been their most successful with those kinds of guys.
0: Yeah. So interesting to see what they end up doing. Again, we'll jump into the top 10 here just uh, in a moment. Uh, Baltimore Ravens go to the college ranks, but somebody with NFL experience and Todd Monken who done a great job there at Georgia, uh, they interviewed a million guys over Mm -hmm. the last month and they end up settling uh, or coming to uh, terms with Todd Monken. What does that mean in your opinion uh, with Lamar? I mean, I think Monken's done a, you know, he's, he was a good coordinator when he was in the, in the NFL. Now, does goes to college and tears it up with Georgia and uh seems to be you know tight end offense at at Georgia, mm-hmm. tight end offense here with the Ravens. Mm-hmm. I like I like the fit. So I like
3: the fit. The big thing is um I'm curious because Sesson Ben is a different thing, but Session Ben Bennett is very athletic. Like yep. he has athleticism. He's not just you know uh Johnny sit in the pocket and throw um uh, from the center of the grassy knoll he has some athleticism. You talked about the tight ends. You know Baltimore needed to evolve the offense in a different way and as Lamar Jackson and I'm saying this thinking that Lamar Jackson is going to continue to be there as Lamar Jackson uh kind of ages into this offense he's not going to be able to be utilized the way that he's always been and so at some point there had to be the transition from Lamar Jackson playing read option high school college type Mm -hmm. quarterback to a let's get him on the center and let's use his athleticism in a different way bootlegs. Um, we've talked about the Shanahan system and those things, but being able to do different things. I think Todd Motkin's experience at both levels, pro and college, should give him a mix of, 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 of expertise to be able to blend those things together. So as Lamar gets older, he can kind of change and grow this offense differently where you still take advantage of his special qualities while also kind of preparing him to be, I don't say the more traditional but the more traditional quarterback that you have to be when you're older and you don't have the movement skills that you once had.
0: Yeah, no no question. I also, by the way, um, you know, the Ravens are always trying – they're always trying to be on the cutting edge. And as we're kind of looking at this draft and you look at some of the positions where there's strength, I think the tight end position is is one of them. Um, Oh, yeah. And you could sit there and say, well, gosh, they've already got Mark Andrews. They've already got Likely. I'm like, Can't I, get I, wouldn't, I wouldn't rule it Can't out. It well,
3: the reason why I wouldn't rule it out, when they when he was at his best, his MVP season, DJ, they did use some of that 13 personnel, wow. one back, three tight ends. They did do that. And we talked about how they wanted more bigs on the field because he created a sizable advantage for Lamar Jackson when it comes to his athleticism versus the big guys that got to match it with the tight ends athleticism. So they should use multiple tight ends and do those things. And let's be honest. It might be harder for them to always attract a wide receiver to come play there just because of the nature of the offense, how run heavy it is. Well, with tight ends, you're more likely to be able to get some of those guys and maybe one of those guys can be a pseudo uh, tight end wide receiver that you can flex out and use way back in the day like Shannon Sharp was used when they won the Super Bowl.
0: No doubt. Um, la- last one, uh, coaching hire that maybe I think went under the radar a little bit. I don't know if you saw this, but Todd Downing, who was the offensive coordinator in Tennessee, he goes to the Jets mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. their quarterback coach, and I believe pass game coordinator as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're looking at uh, Nathaniel Hackett is the OC. They bring in Todd Downing to be the quarterback coach and control kind of the passing game. They hire the offensive line coach from Tennessee as well. Mm-hmm. So I think people are connecting – yeah. Three. Here and mm-hmm. saying, okay, well, you've got connections to Tannehill, uh, with the two guys coming from Tennessee. Then with Hackett, you've got the connection to, to Rodgers. Then you also have Todd Downing has coached uh Gary carr. Har. So those are the kind of the three quarterbacks that get mentioned. I almost I don't know that I I would take away who the quarterback's going to be, but I almost I look at this in terms of the coaches and where they just were, uh, Buck. And if you think about it. Especially the two coming from Tennessee, doesn't this feel like you know what? We got a really good defense. Mm-hmm. Let's go get. We're gonna have. We're gonna have Brees Hall. We're gonna get Micah mm-hmm. Beckton, Elijah Vera, Tucker back healthy. Mm-hmm. Probably gonna add a center in free agency. We feel like we got a great offensive line. We got a big time back. We got a great defense. So let's go get people that understand the run game, and let's try and pulverize people. Now that means that we don't. Maybe we wouldn't be as dependent on a superstar type quarterback. I don't think Aaron Rodgers wants to come there and hand mm-hmm. the ball off 35 yeah. times a game. No, but it, but Ryan Tannehill could come in there and do that, and and maybe it's another veteran, Jimmy Garoppolo. Who else? Who we're not thinking of? But I almost looking at these moves almost makes it look like man, I don't know if this is going to be a QB dependent team, and I don't think they feel like the way they're formulated that they should be a QB dependent team.
3: Yeah, because I think what happens if you pour all into the quarterback, like they the people are speculating, right? Yeah. What if, what happens if the quarterback gets banged up, or what if the quarterback? is an older quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. Now what you do when he retires after a year or two, if you're trying to build a sustainable model, and this is going to drive people crazy, you have to have something that has a run foundation to help the quarterback. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to be 50-50. I mean, you can be 60-40, 55-45 when it comes to pass-run distribution, but you saw You still have to be able to run the ball in the postseason. And when you run the ball or just have the hint or the threat of the run it creates bigger opportunities in the passing game. You just look at Look at what Jalen Hurst was able to do with the Philadelphia Eagles. Look at how um, others. Brock Ferdy jumps into a run-heavy team and has a lot of success throwing the ball. Life is just made easier when you can do it. And they already have weapons on the outside that can get yeah. them. Garrett Wilson can get busy. Elijah Moore can yeah. get busy on the outside. The running game should be the foundation because you want to run it, play defense, and have complementary quarterback play where you can make enough to take advantage of the uh, things that – People are doing the you run.
0: No doubt. Um, all right, so some interesting coaching hires. Uh, we'll see as we're recording this right now. Arizona has uh, has not announced their new head coach, but it looked like the, that Gannon was going to have a, a good shot at that, the defensive coordinator from the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. But as of right now, that has not been decided. So uh, we will see what happens uh, going forward with that gig as well as this quarterback carousel that's getting ready to kick off. Um, all right, we're going to take a quick break, Buck. When we come back, We're going to jump into the top 10 in this draft, and we're also going to look at the running back position, which is very well stacked uh, as we head towards a 2023 NFL draft. We'll be back right after this. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower,
2: elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all
3: i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one
0: yeah yeah because you gotta
3: think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding
1: Head over to columbia.com slash PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear.
2: Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined.
0: All right, Buck, let's jump into this here. Top 10, uh, as we look at it right now, uh, let's go through these teams a little bit. Just a quick thought, and we can go through this. uh, We're going to spend a ton of time on this, but just kind of an initial thought on on where they could be leaning position-wise, what could make some sense for them here. We start with the Chicago Bears, who have the first overall pick with offensive line needs edge rusher needs uh and it looks to me like this is a team that's going to have a chance to get out of here and I'll be shocked if they don't
3: oh you really think they'll be able to get out of there I think they'll I want to get out yeah so so that, that'd be the big thing let's, let's say they don't get out I mean obviously you want to get out if you Ryan Poles because you want to address some of those needs that you have like you want to continue on with Justin Fields as your quarterback you want to make sure that you build the kind of team that they need um to build. Uh, you didn't hit it right on Chase Claypool. But I think this has to be one where you got to fix your defense. Your head coach comes from a defensive background. It has to really infuriate infuriate him that he wasn't able to play the style of defense that he wants or that he's used to. You lose Robert Quinn, you don't have Roquan Smith. And so I think they got to get someone that can impact the game right away. We've talked about it, like whether it's Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, it has to be someone disruptive. I would skew towards Will Anderson just because I think he is a guy that can be a guy that gets you double-digit stuff.
0: All right, we've got uh, Nabil. by the way, is jumping in here to uh, cap off our previous conversation with some live uh, live information on Jim Ursay, who's uh, letting it all out here at his press conference. Says the Alabama guy doesn't look bad, I'll tell you. He's talking about Bryce Young, obviously. Uh, Colts uh, would likely need to trade up. Ursay is uh, openly saying it all. There you go. That was a tweet from Ari. Moreau, who's who does a good job covering the league. So <laughs> he's just kind of throwing his two cents in there. We'll see. I mean, that would kind of go the opposite of what we were talking about, the the guys historically that uh, um, that that your head coach has been around. But I'd also say, you know, this is a, uh, you know, I believe Shane Steichen is a CAA guy. Bryce Young is a CAA guy. So mm-hmm. same agency. He's going to know them, you know, inside and out, know everything about them.
3: Now, I will say this for Bryce. You know, you know, we talk about the character and the football character and all this stuff. Look, he's going to check off all the boxes. And when it comes to that, the only concern that you you really, really had is the slender frame and the size. And you have to account for that. Like it, That's the thing, because we haven't necessarily seen anybody with that stature playing the league in a long time. And the dudes that have played, there were – slender like that like they get beat up and so i think that's the big thing and you know, we can interview him, we can put him out there but you know what you will not know what he's going to do until he has his opportunity it's very similar to the conversation in a different way that people had with devonta smith being yeah. outside because he was thin
0: and all that other stuff and so you just have to see what works all right we're going to get to houston here with the second pick and this is going to tie back to chicago if you're chicago not only are you hoping that houston indy and uh, mm-hmm. and Carolina all like a quarterback. You're yeah. hoping, especially Houston and Indy, because ideally you don't want to go beyond four. You're hoping they like the same guy. Yes, you're hoping that
3: um, everyone is vying for that, and then you know you auction it off. You know, obviously with Houston, you don't fall back far. You know, you drop back one, you still get the guy that you want. When you drop back the four, yeah, I guess a little dicey in terms of. Who you want and which one you're selling for, and that's why it'd be important in these meetings, as we kind of lump these guys in clusters. Hey, I won't go beyond this because we'll miss out on this kind of player. And but Chicago has, I mean, look, they have all the cards. Uh, no, the I, I, don't the that, I don't know that. I don't know anybody's
0: right. done this. I don't know if anybody's done this, Buck. But is is there a scenario when we lo- as we look at this right now and say Chicago goes to Houston, right? So they just flip one and two, and then you get Carolina who wants to get ahead of Indianapolis. And then oh, you trade, trade. Two, a double trade. You go from one to two, and then you go from two to, to nine, which is a pretty good way to travel. But, oh, my did gosh, Philly you do some, have a did, war chest.
3: I'm trying to think. Did Philly do something like that when Philly when went they did up the twice? Wild?
0: So they went okay. up twice. But I don't know that okay. I've seen a okay. team go Anybody back, back twice Go like back this. twice. Yeah. yeah.
3: I mean, it'd be a chance to – if you talk about – I mean, you have to be confident in your scouting department. But if you feel like, hey, we have a lot of needs and we need to really – uh, get as many lottery tickets as we can. That is a way to think about it to continue to kind of keep dropping down there. And it also depends when you look at the pass rushing market or whatever. How many guys do you believe are top 10 type talents,
0: you know, where you don't want to fall out? And they would never say this, but it's also a hedge with Justin Fields in that mm-hmm. you go into next year, potentially, if you did this, you would have Houston. Their first round pick next year, which Houston has not been good. And you could have Carolina's first round pick next year, who's, you know, we'll see new new staff coming in there, as well as your own. You'd have three ones next year, potentially, you know, two or three of them could be high ones. And we've talked about the quarterbacks that are going to be out there next year. So it buys you time on Justin Fields. Hopefully he continues to grow and, and develop. If not, boy, you're in a good quarterback draft next year and you've got a lot of ammunition.
3: Well, I mean, I think we always talk about uh, the copycat league. People who look at how Howie Roseman has been able to ma- manipulate the draft the last couple of years to always ensure that he has two first round picks. It gives you so much flexibility to either take two really good players or to always kind of kick the can down the road to put yourself in a position to always have leverage to move up or down or kind of like parlay it however you want to parlay it to make sure that you get blue chip players. Yeah, I think this is. One of the things that if you're Ryan Pohl's, you certainly have to explore it. You have to talk about it. You have to figure out what practically what does this look like. If we did do this, what would it look like? What kind of player would we get? And what kind of draft haul would we get when it came to extra capital um, to fortify the, the squad?
0: Yeah. So, you know, we'll see uh, what Houston ends up doing here. They obviously would be shocked if they do anything other than take one of these quarterbacks. They're at number two. Uh, we get to Arizona at three. Kyler Murray is going to be a while before he's back, but you you look at their needs, I think they probably go defense here. You can look on the offensive line as well, but I think edge rusher, uh, corner, those are two spots you would look at. Again, they could be a team that they might be trying to get something in next year's draft as well. You know, We'll see mm-hmm. how this Kyler Murray contract is going to age, um, but they might be a team interested in acquiring future assets in this thing.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, it's 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 one of those things where we talk about the draft, because one of the things that one of the conversations that normally happens in draft rooms is we not only talk about this year's class, but we look ahead to what is coming. You know, uh, good teams always aware of what's on the horizon. You know, we talked about years ago being able to know that Trevor Lawrence was coming because he was a freshman. And you still talked about, OK, mm-hmm. well, you want to be a position in that draft where after junior year. He might be the generational talent that you go after or whatever. It's just an example. And so it's the same thing. You, you, your road scouts have been on there. They know what, what, what's out there. And so maybe it is an opportunity where you have a better class. Uh, we can vaguely allude to the quarterbacks that could play, play next year. Um, one of those guys is at my alma mater. Another one of those guys is out here in the West Coast where I'm residing. And yes. so you have an opportunity to look at those guys and forecast and project and see Who else is there? Because it might be a better class with more what we call prototypical franchise potential at that position.
0: So Arizona, you know, we'll see what they end up doing there. Indy, we've already talked about them uh, up at the top of the show. Then we get to Seattle, who owns Denver's pick, the fifth pick. Um, edge rusher, interior offensive line uh, as well could be an area they look. I look at Skoronsky as somebody mm-hmm. uh, from Northwestern who could slide inside and, and be ready to play. Think about adding him with the rookie tackles buck from uh, from last year that played really well. So when you look at at uh, Cross and Lucas and the way, the job they did, now all of a sudden you take Skaronski and you throw him in that mix, you've got three young guys, three cheap, controllable starters uh, for quite some time. That's a great nucleus to to build around up front.
3: And that's look, the, the Seattle Seahawks uh really are fortunate. Geno Smith played better than anyone anticipated. So now it kind of puts uh you in a situation where you don't have to you don't have to rush to get that franchise quarterback right now at the top of the board. You can look at some other positions, whether it's the offensive line, as you talk about, maybe building on the strength. Hey, let's make a dominant offensive line so we can move people, push people, run the football, or finally finding someone that can man that edge rush position and you remember i mean i know pete has evolved his defense a little bit but you know you kind of when they were at their best they had a heavy-handed guy like red bryant kind of at one end they yeah. had a light guy on the other side so you could do some for different serving. things yeah yeah they they, they need uh, a power play they need someone who can be a difference maker on the edges and sitting at five there could be a guy sitting right there for him that could do that
0: yeah they've got some interesting players on that defense uh, some young talented players but continue to add to it uh, would not be a surprise there. At Detroit, it feels like, you know, I wouldn't rule out quarterback, even though you've got Goff mm-hmm. there. You know, I don't know if they feel like he's going to be there long-term, long-term. For me, I think he's plenty good enough for the time being. I, mm-hmm. I would continue to to build up the rest of this roster. And I would look probably, you know, you're looking on the defensive side of the ball, Buck. you know, corner, defensive tackle will be a couple areas to keep an eye on.
3: Yeah, now this team is this team is solid. Uh, they have to continue to build on the defensive side of the ball. Aaron Glenn did a really good job playing a bunch of young guys, uh, but they need more. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, James Houston, young guys that pop. But I feel like they need someone on the inside that can be a, a handful, someone that can absolutely take over the game from inside out. They need more speed throughout their defense, whether it's corner, safety, linebacker, whatever. So uh, the board is wide open for them. The one thing that we do know offensively, they've been able to put it up. And part of the reason they've been able to put points up is because the quarterback is playing really well and they were able to retain Ben Johnson. So their arrow is definitely pointing up for Detroit.
0: One of the best young offensive lines in the NFL. They've got backs. They've got a couple receivers, including they'll have a healthy Jamison Williams for all 17 next year, which will be a big addition uh, with Amara as well. So there's Detroit. We get to Vegas at seven. Uh, They're very much, you know, in the quarterback market, unless there's a veteran coming their way that we don't know about at this point in time, or they're going to commit to Jared Stidham. Offensive tackle has been something they've needed to address. That right tackle spot has been a sore spot for quite some time and corner. uh, Again, this is the kind of a theme when you're kind of going through these teams, but corner, corner. All these teams need corners, man, and it's a good corner draft. But I think you're going to see these corners. We could see a run on them earlier than you think. You know, the, the 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 big thing would be:
3: do we view any of these corners like we viewed Sauce? Like no. we viewed corners? No. Are, Let me answer that and, question. And so I haven't seen it. no, 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 because really I, I have players. Yeah, with, really no. good players. I haven't seen this. So then, where do we go at seven? Man, that dude has to be a Jalen Ramsey type. When you look at the history of the guys that have gone up in the top ten. They're game changers. They're difference makers. And so if you're the Raiders, you have to find a quarterback. And given their situation, do they want their young, cheap, rookie contract, a quarterback, to build up the rest of the squad? And when you're sitting at seven, do you have the luxury of being able to wait patiently and just say, hey, whatever quarterback falls to us at seven, we're good. There are a lot of teams that need quarterback from one to seven. And I don't know if you're going to get one of those marquee guys uh, if you're sitting at seven, you don't make an aggressive move up.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a it's a good group of corners. Um, I can throw you out some of the names here. Um, when when you look at Weatherspoon from Illinois, who's undersized but it's a great player. You've got the mm-hmm. bigger corners and Gonzalez and Porter. Um, you've got Branch, who's really a nickel. You know th- mm-hmm. that's a good group of guys. I think you could see all those guys end up going in the top twenty. Um, but you know again, how early is is too early? Is it? I, I almost feel like in this draft where there might not be as many premium players that you might see more need-based picks mm-hmm. uh, than, than in, in some other years.
3: Well, the other thing is, you talk about in this draft where maybe not the, the, the high-end guys, but really solid. when We talk about day two, the second and third round players. And so what does that mean uh, as it relates to the draft? Maybe I fall out and see if I can get extra picks in the second and third round so I can double up and take multiple corners or do those things. Uh, I think the big thing... This year, what is scary about the class is you want to make sure that the player that you take in the first round is really a first round player. The, yeah. the thing that crushes you, is if you take a second or third round player in the first round and he plays up to his great, that is, man, that's hard to get away from because now you have these expectations of a guy being a first round player and you know that he doesn't have the talent or skill set to make an immediate impact. And it kind of puts an albatross around your squad for the next four or five years because First round is, are your foundational pieces? And so you just got to make sure you grade the players right and make sure that, look, where you're taking them matches with what they're going to be able to do at the next level.
0: All right, the Atlanta Falcons are picking eight. Um, You know, we'll see if they're comfortable with Desmond Ritter going forward or whether or not they could be a, a sneaky quarterback team um you, you look at some other spots they could go they need another wide receiver obviously they move on from ridley mm-hmm. um get another one to to compliment drake london would make a lot of sense um you know again it's is that too early to take a wide out in this draft uh, you know i really like jordan, jordan addison from usc but mm-hmm. that's again i could see how people would say ah it's a little it's a little early ironically jordan addison kind of a has some calvin ridley you know type ability they're not that dissimilar as players yeah, I just, the,
3: the thing about like Jordan Addison, and I have to continue to do more, I felt like I saw a different play at Pitt versus SC. And I don't know if it's just like the competition level or the different thing. Uh, I thought I was going to see a, a a different play. He's smooth. He's super fluid. Um, I didn't feel like he was dynamic in terms of burst and those things. Some of that might have been the offense that he's playing in at SC. I just didn't feel like he popped. When I looked at Zay Flowers, sometimes, it may, once again, competition matters. I felt like he popped. Like mm-hmm. you know, and so it'll be interesting to see where these wide receivers go. And I feel like it's different between, you know, uh, Quentin Johnson and you know, Jackson Smith, Nick. Like Jigba, where those yeah. guys in, in Jigba, like where those guys go and how they look like. But, but it's funny. Only Johnson is kind of like that super size wide receiver. All these other yeah. guys are kind of more like the Justin Jefferson types in terms of height, five ten to six foot, right around there. More of your normal size wideouts. Uh, so you don't get the the big strike zone expander Uh, you get more of the route runner the craftsman type playmaker
0: so when you when i did this as i just uh i'm working through all these wide receivers i haven't watched yet so i pump all the wide receivers that are going to combine and and into pff uh, ultimate and then I'll, i'll watch all their targets through that but then i can also sort you know their stats which is uh you know, which is helpful as you go through it. So when you put in all those combine wide receivers, Buck, and then you look at their drop rate, right, which, you know, it's Mm -hmm. not just drop passes because maybe you got thrown 200 balls and the other guy only got thrown 40 balls. So you go off of drop percentage. When you put all of those guys in, uh, which is 50 guys I have in this thing, um, and you go through and you look at their drop percentage, pulling it up right now, second here. So, yep, you you pump all that in. one, two, three, four. So Quentin Johnston of those fifty receivers is sixth with a ten point seven percent drop rate. Not great. That's,
3: That's not, not great. That's not great. So let me give you a little insight. I heard this. Sorry, 105
0: percent. I want to. Cheat well, me. I've heard, 10.
3: I've heard this. I've heard this from Bill Polian. Bill Polian said, "Look, if you if you're gonna draft a receiver, the number one thing you need to make sure you can do is catch." I okay. mean, like that. It sounds simplistic, but you have to get. That is a significant number of drops. And so when you have a guy that is dropping like that, you have to almost bake into the game plan. Hey, man, I know we're going to throw it to him. He drops a couple. Like, we're just going to have to kind of be a – he's going to have to be a high-volume target guy to be able to get the production that we want out. That's significant, though, 10. First thing I'm that, doing that, –
0: That's that's what – that's, you know, that's one of the things you got to work through. And then I think you have the ghost of Kevin White, height, weight, speed, same conference, inconsistent oof. hands, not a big route tree guy. Um, yeah. so yeah. and again, I'm not yeah. saying that's who he is, but I'm just saying that's the ghost that he's gotta fend oh, off. DJ,
3: you know what I'm doing? You know what I'm doing. Like, I have these these flashbacks and memories. So when we were in Carolina, um, my buddy and I, we used to talk about like we used to, sometimes I, I might be a bit of a disruptor in the draft meetings, right? Okay. Yeah. We used to talk about uh I think I may want to throw a grenade today. I may just want to blow up the meeting. Yeah. So that little that little stat that you have, like if you know we're in the wide receiver thing and you know yeah. that we might just say, Hey, you know. This number, PFF says that uh, he is six in drop percentage, whatever. So the first thing that's going to happen is the OC and the wide receiver coach are going to be like, hold on, (laughs) because they're ultimately the one that's going to be accountable if he goes out there and he drops some passes when he comes into camp. So um, that is significant. And so it's one of those things that you have to work through.
0: So, just kind of keeping in mind, working off that Jordan Addison's drop percentage at USC, and he got a, a good number of targets there, three point two percent. So forty sixth uh, out of the fifty. So he's you know fourth. He's number four in terms of the, the preferred number when you're looking who's, at the drop. Who's percentage. number one in terms of the preferred number? Who's, who's well, who's, who's it's the, it's Justin sure. Shorter from Florida. Oh, uh, big body. He was at the East West Shrine. Yeah. And then uh Smith and Jigba didn't have any drops, but I mean he barely played this year. So that's a very limited, hey, very, hey, very, hey, very limited.
3: Yeah, yeah like, that's it. Four I'm for ten.
0: Weird. Uh Charlie Jones, who's a high volume guy at Purdue, and then your guy, Josh Downs, and then Jordan Addison. So Josh Downs and Jordan Josh. Addison are probably the, the guys I think that that's a meaningful number for considering the number of targets they have.
3: Okay, and let me tell you that is, it is. And see, this is why you need stats to back up the film watching. So, yeah. obviously, Josh Downs played in North Carolina, so I watched that. So, here's what happens. And everyone has this, this bias or it, it lingers. So, Josh Downs, uh, Carolina's playing Georgia Tech. Uh, he has an opportunity to seal the game. They throw a post corner to him, and he drops it. Mm-hmm. But that one drop hangs in my mind. And yep. so I would need I would need that stat to be like, oh, like that's that's a momentary thing. That's not that's not who he is. That that is a happenstance, that is an accident. That's so when you say that, like it does change it because he's funny because like these guys that we're looking at, at wide receiver, a lot of them are kind of I want to say they're kind of slot only. Mm-hmm. And you and I have had this conversation about little guys. Yeah. And so I'm trying not to get caught up in the little guy thing. But, man, it's hard because when you think about being able to catch and run and make plays and you need the wide receivers, if you're going to be a running team to block on the perimeter, you kind of need bigger guys. Um, There's a role for the small guy. It's hard, though. It's hard because you look at like Justin Jefferson isn't a
0: small guy. You know what I'm saying he's a short, short, short. yeah. Well, and neither is Jamar Chase. I mean, you can go Justin, through the list. I mean, you know, yeah. like I think I think when you see what Garrett Wilson did last year, not the thickest guy, skinny guy, but uh, ultra ultra explosive, super explosive, stop start quickness, got
3: it all, man. Rare, um, yeah. And 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 so it that's why the combine and those things, the workouts are important because you're trying to sort all these guys out. And back to what you said with Johnson, the first thing that I'm doing is I want to have his vision checked. I want to know, like, hey, maybe this is a guy that needs glasses. Maybe that's why he's dropping passes. I want to work him out. I want to see, does he have a bad eye, like looking over one shoulder compared to the other shoulder? And take him through the full battery things to see how natural it is. And that's where the combine is one thing, but the private workouts is when I can kind of figure out, are his drops a byproduct? This guy just doesn't have good hands, or is it something that is fixable that we can get it right at the next level?
0: He could be a big winner in the offseason, you know, depending on on getting a chance to see him run all these different routes we didn't get a chance to see in college and depending on how he catches the ball, you know. So that'll be uh, interesting to see. Uh, well, you get a, get a grin on your face, Buck. You
3: I got a grin because here's the, here's the thing. So um, we talk about Big 12 wide receivers, and this guy isn't in the Big 12, but the guy that I'm working through is uh, Hyatt, Jalen Hyatt. Yeah, Jalen Hyatt, yeah. Vertical, okay, so. all vertical. So I'm looking at the offense and I'm like, man, this offense looks really familiar. I think I've seen this offense. I think I've seen Art Browse like light people up. And I'm looking at I'm looking at my reports and I'm I'm looking at Jalen Hyde. I'm like, man, you know what? This guy runs go post slant. I think I've written this down on somebody before, (laughs) right? I think I've seen this before. And the space is wide open. He's fast and you can see the speed or whatever. But I'm like, man, this offense, I've seen it. And how many receivers have put up numbers in that offense, but what does it look like when you go into the National Football League? Are they route runners? Do they have the ability to develop a craft or do I need to peg them in the right thing? And so I know we don't necessarily scout the helmet, but the system does matter, particularly when you have multiple cases of people playing in an offense like that that haven't succeeded in the National Football League. So that conversation in meeting rooms would be significant. And it's one of the reasons we talk about the combine and private workouts. Can he run routes uh, that are different than the routes that he's been asked to run in Tennessee.
0: Yeah. I, and I'll, I won't, again, we're, we're, I'm getting sidetracked on here, but I have, I have the research on the big 12 wide receivers, by the way, i oh we'll do it on when we get to the wide receiver chat, we'll do it. It ain't great. Let's just put it that way. It is not good. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's get these last two teams here. Carolina, we we've, we've already touched on them. Mm-hmm. That's a quarterback team, probably an aggressive team. I like the hire of Jim Caldwell. They've built a nice little quarterback cocoon there for whoever, does yeah. come in there to play quarterback. So I like that move. And then Philly at 10. I mean, let's not let's not get crazy here. It's going to be a defensive lineman or a corner. I'll be shocked if it isn't one of those two.
3: Yeah. Now, the funny thing, if you talk about corner, now I'm interested in who's going to be the next defense coordinator. Uh, John yeah. Pagana was more of a – he wanted to play zone. He wanted to put eyes on it based on what he was exposed to. Uh, do the Eagles take their experience in Super Bowl 57 and say – you know what we need to be able to do? We need to be able to lock up and play man-to-man. we got to take away some of these easy throws and that stuff. So how does that change? Because if it changes from a philosophical standpoint, then it has to change from a personnel standpoint in terms of what you're bringing in, what you're looking for when you evaluate the
0: players in this class. Yep. So there you go. There's the top 10. Uh Let's jump in here, and I, I know we've gone long here, so we won't spend a ton of time on these running backs. I think it's a great – group of running backs in terms of depth um you start up here at the very top buck and Bijan robinson Mm -hmm. i think he's one of the best players in the entire draft i think he's going to be hurt because of the sheer number of backs we have as well as the free agency group that we have i don't think it's going to be a big need for people and i think people are going to say man when you look at the raw numbers here we can wait and get one later he's my fourth overall pick he very much belongs in the discussion of some of the elite backs we've seen enter this league um for the last mm-hmm. decade, he is really, really gifted. Um, but after him, uh, I've got Jameer Gibbs from Alabama um, next, who's ultra dynamic, mm-hmm. explosive. I was talking to a scouting buddy the other day, compared him, you know, to what Reggie Bush ended up being in the NFL. He thought mm-hmm. that Jameer Gibbs could kind of be that type of a player.
3: Oh man, that's 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 high praise, but he is terrific, DJ. Like I can't stop, I can't stop watching him. I, I'm, I'm looking at my notebook, and right now, the the first note that I have. Big play machine, <laughs> like he just he just puts him out. His quickness, his burst, Route super running. explosive stop start quickness, excellent receiver out the backfield, ball skills and routes. Yeah, so if you talk about that, and the thing with Reggie Bush, man, you can you imagine how good Reggie Bush would be in this. Oh, I know this is he's in the wrong like, era. He need to be yeah, right this, now. This era, he he would he would have worn him out. But yeah, J- Jameer Gibbs is is crazy. I, I have a, a great grade on him. 5'11", 200. But, yeah, I I think the sweet spot for all the running backs continues to be what it's been. Second or third round is where you should get your running backs. I know people say later to me, second or third round is a sweet spot to get a good enough player, a good player. Reese Hall, Kenneth Walker, all those guys are second round picks. Get a good player without paying like marquee prices for the position.
0: Yeah, and there's some, uh, you know, there's some some backs with some size too. Then you've got this undersized cluster of guys. It's going to be some interesting clusters to look at after those two guys there. I've got a cluster with the exact same grade on one, two, three, four. Uh, I've got four guys kind of in this next group, which is I've got Charbonnet from UCLA in there. Mm-hmm. Uh from Pitt, who I really like has got a ton of, he's got juice, man. He's a fun one to watch. Yeah. Um, Kend- Kendra Miller from TCU is 220 pounds. Uh, Tajay Spears from Tulane, who we saw at the senior bowl, who was outstanding. So those guys are all in that cluster to me. And that's going to be a group I'm trying to figure out as we go through the spring. But again, those are to me, those guys are second round, maybe even into the third round. You're going to get those guys. You know, one of those guys is going to be there in the third round, which is a really good group.
3: Yeah, it is a good group. It's funny because Tajay Spears is another one, uh, super electric with the ball in his hands. I mean, you just watch him. Man, he just goes and he he gets it done 204 pounds. And then the the, the conversation that we had uh, while watching the Super Bowl about uh, Devon A-Chain from Texas A&M, mm-hmm. who like you better make sure like when you're watching all the running backs that you understand, because I went yeah. from watching a bigger get back to watching yeah. him and he looked like he was in fast forward the oh, entire yeah. time that I was watching the tape. The issue that you have five nine one eighty five, which is really light. There's not um, a lot of guys really, with that
0: profile that are having success doesn't, consistently doesn't,
3: doesn't play well um in the league. And so you, you look at that and I'm like, it's so crazy because I'm like, man, his playing style is reminiscent of Dalvin Cook, but his size is not that. And yeah. so you got to make sure when you take those guys, all right, what is the right value for taking a guy like that? Because on tape, man, his speed is 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 significant, it's
0: impactful, but the size is a real consideration. This next little clump for me, I really like. And I think if you're going to say, where would you try and target it back? For me, it's the fourth round because I think one of these guys is going to be there in the fourth round. And, Buck, I'd be happy with any of them. And that is Tank Bigsby from Auburn, Zach Evans from Ole Miss, Eric Gray from Oklahoma, uh, Ibrahim, who's got some injuries. He might get him much later Mm -hmm. than that. He's got injuries Mm -hmm. and he's undersized. He is a great player. And I don't know what the shelf life is going to be on him. Uh, but you talk about running low to the ground, he's 507, 203 pounds. He, he, he hates to be tackled more so than any running back in this draft. This dude hates to be tackled. He's he's a fun one. Um, you've got the other back from Texas, who's 225 pounds and Roshan Johnson. You got Dwayne McBride, who we talked about the other day from UAB, who I think is maybe one of the more natural runners in the whole class. Just vision, balance, feel kind of reminds me of uh, David Montgomery uh you know you think about jamal williams when he was coming out of byu those guys just kind of appreciate their whole game but not going to wow you with any type of you know top speed or burst or juice and then lastly kenny mcintosh who's one of the best receivers coming out of the backfield. that's a that's a lot of guys man one of those guys several a couple of those guys are going to be there in the fourth round some of them are going to sneak into the fifth round I mean, that's the sweet spot
3: yeah that is, that is uh the sweet spot and you just think about the position and you think about being able to sort them out and you think about the league kind of transition to one where everybody wants a, a, a back by committee situation because um, we talk about at wide receiver, building a basketball team where you're kind of doing the same at running back. When you look at some of the top teams, man, it's rare that you find finding the one guy that is doing everything, you got to have a variety of guys that can offer different skills and kind of impact the game in different ways. And, as you're looking at this and you and your running back coach and run game coordinator are getting together is how do we want to stack the toolbox to make sure we have exactly what we need for all of the situations that we want to play these different backs.
0: And then you've got, so I put the three smaller backs together in a little cluster. So I'm, you know, if you're doing a board you said, you know what we want one of these change of pace guys Um, to me, you talked about a chain, like he's, he's in that own his own, his that category. And I'd put him in there. Um, with my my man from East Carolina, Keaton Mitchell, who's 184 mm-hmm. pounds, he's got mm-hmm. juice. Um, so you've got those two guys, and then Deuce Vaughn from uh, from K State, who's crazy productive but is little. Like those would be my three little guys. I I'm mean, saying DJ these would, are my changeup like, guys. I, I feel like I feel like we just rattle through like 20 different runs. That's picks. how many backs and, are. And, and, I mean, and, look, and so Hunter from Syracuse is a good player. Like there's there's, there's a, a bunch of other guys.
3: And so we talk about the the position being devalued. It's devalued because of supply and demand. The supply always exceeds the demand. And so they're kind of the, the back of the bus when it comes to drafting, because we don't have that same conversation with offensive tackles. You see an offensive tackle, you gotta grab him early because he's not going it's not gonna be the same kind of player that is available late. Uh pass rusher, it's kind of the same. You gotta take them early because they won't be available late. Whereas with running back, it is kind of the last position because you know. If you if you have a good eye for what it is that you're looking for and trying to put on your team, you can find those guys later. And so, it's not a knock in terms of a hey, how we view the position in terms of importance, but it's supply and demand. We know that we can get those guys later, and it's taken a long time for me to kind of come around on that because I grew up in a,
0: uh,
3: in, a in a scouting family where running backs were valued at a premium, and yeah. now it's just a diff-
0: it's just a completely different game. That's yeah, a different game indeed, um, but uh, interesting to keep an eye on as we go towards the draft. Again, we'll be going through all these players and these positions as we march towards the draft. But this was a uh, this was a fun one today. I know we went a little longer, Buck, but uh, this is uh, this is our time of year, man.
3: I mean, I like that. I like having these conversations. Like to me, this is this is what it's about when we talk about move the sticks and the draft and scouting. Yeah, having these conversations because these are the conversations that we have not only in the meeting room if we once we got a little break a little lunch break we'd we'll probably be down in the lunchroom talking about the same thing
0: <laughs> yeah 100 percent, man uh all right well this has been fun i hope you guys have enjoyed this hang as much as uh, we have here uh, all right until next time we'll see you right here on move the sticks
2: get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store
1: getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more right now you can save 50 dollars on select battery tool sets real steel